You're listening to Always Building. All right, welcome to Always Building. I'm extremely, extremely excited to have Martin Smith, my good friend Martin Smith, on uh, on this episode, and uh, we're going to dive into some really fun stuff. So I like to kind of start this out by just asking you, Martin, you know, a little bit about you know your journey thus far, you know, what you've uh, gotten into in the past, and um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the future uh, in a little bit. But if you could just kind of fill us in on um, you know your background, where you're coming from, location-wise, education-wise. Um, career-wise, everything else, man. Just uh, you know, give us uh, the, the journey. Cool. That's a long story. I'm gonna try to keep it as briefish as I can, but I think I have to give you some of the background history on it to to know where I am now. You kind of have to look back pretty deep into where I've been. So, uh, in terms of, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in my spirit. You know, I was the kid selling candy in school. You know, it's like, that's always been a thing, right? So I always kind of had a business interest going on. But when I got to college, I, around sophomore year at the University of Michigan. So you ask where I am. I am here in Michigan in the U.S. And um, I went to the University of Michigan for undergrad school and I stayed in Ann Arbor and that's where I live right now. And it's, you know, 20 something years down the line and I'm still here. But sophomore year was when you have to declare your major and figure out what you're actually going to do. And I had no idea. I was, I was, I really loved philosophy at the time and I was planning on going into law. And, um, but I asked my philosophy teacher, well, what can you major in if you get a degree in philosophy? No, not what can you major in? What can you do if you major in mm-hmm. philosophy and get a degree in philosophy other than teach philosophy? And then he was like, teach philosophy. And I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not so much, maybe not so much for that. <laughs> and so I ended up going into the business school here at, at, at the University of Michigan. So I got an undergrad degree in business. I went back because I was already on the law path and thought that's where I was going. Got my law degree right after that, but always had business interests kind of on the side. I started DJing that same year, my second year in school where I was declaring my major, I started DJing. That was a long time ago. We won't say what year it actually was, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost said it. And I was like, nah, nah, we'll, we'll keep that, keep that to ourselves. But um. I uh, started DJing and I love that. And I started to kind of make my name as a DJ. And the way that I really got started was putting DJing and marketing together. So I wasn't just DJing events. I was also doing a pretty decent job of promoting them. Then I started to bring sponsors in, corporate sponsors. And we did some fun stuff like having, you know, a video game party at the, uh, and video games weren't what they are now, right? It's like, way more of a huge, ridiculous industry. It always was big, but not like it is now. But um, we would have a video game party at the sports bar, right? So you had all these TVs around the room and we set up consoles on them and had a DJ party going on at the same time. So I was able to do fun stuff like that. That's how I got started. I moved forward, started opening up for some really big artists and leaned heavily into DJing after I finished law school, opened up for Beyonce, Jay-Z separately, you know, before, probably before they were married, but yeah, Yeah. Beyonce and Jay-Z, Eminem, Fat Joe, Big Sean, J. Cole, Dave Chappelle, you know, Snoop Dogg, and, and, and many of the biggest names at that time, and still, you know, icons right now as it comes to, you know, rap and hip hop. So Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like, look, I can do this as a career. And then I started to tour overseas 
And I realized that wasn't the lifestyle for me. So that was kind of the, <laughs> that was kind of like, no, oh, okay. Well, and it wasn't, you know, it's not like I was just partying too hard and getting, getting crazy, going crazy. <laughs> it really was the traveling lifestyle. I enjoy travel, but it's grueling to travel for as a, as, as you know, right. I don't know if you've shared this with your audience, how much, but to be in and out of a city every day and be on, I mean, especially when you're just kind of getting to that level you don't have all of the uh amenities that uh <laughs> you know you don't get all of the, the the special i mean somebody's paying for you to travel right so that's amazing you get to travel the world on somebody else's dime but to get into a city be there for five hours you know barely be able to have a chance to eat take a shower you know go maybe sit down for a couple minutes perform and then you're off to the next city on the next trip for me, I'm a Midwestern, slower living kind of person. So after a couple of weeks of that, I was like, I need to go sit down somewhere. Right. And and I just <laughs> knew in my spirit that it wasn't for me. I was because all my friends who were also in the industry were like, I've been sitting down too long. I got to get back out on the road. Right. And it, it was the complete opposite. So I said, let me lean into this marketing. I really love this. You know, I love what I'm doing. And so for the past 10 to 15 years, I've been running a digital agency, right? In various shapes or forms, doing some social media stuff. Uh, that was probably the earliest parts was really social media engagement because at the time people knew music and celebrities, which, which they still are also, but they knew them for being the trailblazers in social media. It was all about what's Justin Bieber doing and what's Lady Gaga doing and how did they get millions of fans? And then brands wanted the same thing. So mm -hmm. to have a music industry background and having management and so a little bit of celebrity status at the time, it made it easier to close those early social media clients. And over time that just moved forward into more so lead generation into some web stuff and just all around mainly paid digital ads and demand generation, I'll say more so than uh, just social media and just web stuff and graphic design on that side. We were more so how do we help companies grow, really growth marketing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been in solidly for close to the last 10 years. But in comes COVID-19. And I get this opportunity to start DJing again and I get to do it from my basement. Right. So I can rock for people all over the world and I'm in my basement studio and I get to bring that to the table. So right now I have actually transitioned and kind of flip flopped. Right. I realized mm -hmm. that I'm actually more valuable as a DJ who's an, a great marketer than I was as a marketer who's a, you know, a great DJ like that. Mm. It, it didn't work as well that way. So flip flopping those around, I've been able to create some opportunities with some amazing companies uh, that keep coming back. And some companies that honestly, from a marketing standpoint, I was never able to work with it unless it was outsourced from a much bigger, larger agency. Right. So right. now the, with the DJ gigs, I am working with clients like Nike and Google and um, let's see, GitLab is one of my biggest clients. So anybody who's a developer, you, you know, GitLab, but um, you know, I, I can go on and on and on and list out those companies, Campbell's and let me see a Cisco and, you know, a lot, lot of big, huge companies. I don't know if, where they fall in terms of, I know they're all, you know, billion dollar plus companies. Um, but 
just working with companies that are multinational, that's really my focus because I think the most value that I bring to the table is being able to engage audiences that are all around the world and bring them together on a one hour stream where I'm here DJing and playing music and taking requests and we just create an amazing party. So, and I've been able to actually create those relationships through outreach and a lot of cold email and uh, cold email, some LinkedIn you know, manual stuff on LinkedIn, as well as, you know, some automated outreach through LinkedIn and some creating landing pages and personalizing things there. And I know we, we might dig into that a little bit more, but, um, you know, I'm just excited to be able to one, be back doing more of the pieces of what I love. So, cause it's not like I got, I was like, Oh, I'm leaving this marketing thing that I was really only doing for money. And I, I just jumped into this. That's my real passion over here. It's really more so I, I loved all of it. So it's, it's mm-hmm. good to feel whole because I feel like I'm doing all of the things that I love. Amazing, man. Amazing. Well, it's a, you know, it's a huge, you're right. It's a huge, huge background here. Huge experience. I mean, you've got, it's just, uh, you know, I think a lot of people listening, you know, especially if they're kind of like on their first step or 10th step or 20th step, it's like listening to somebody uh, like you that has such a rich background, it's it's really, um, you know, it's it's just like exciting to to hear about. Um, so you mentioned a couple things. I think, you know, we'll kind of zoom into a couple things and just kind of get some details on it. Um, I, I don't want to dig too much into the into the past uh, because I know, you know, it's just um, some of that stuff. I'm sure you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're beyond this moment. But I mean, some of it is interesting to connect together. Like, uh, obviously, you were, so you were the entrepreneur selling candy in school. That's, um, you know, that that's that beginning. Just, you know, you were like, you know, wanting to build stuff, getting out there and doing stuff right from the get go, like always just kind of seems like you just took a lot of action in your life. You weren't like sitting, you know, waiting for something to happen. You were out there like actually like doing, doing the work, doing something, anything to get out there. Um, and you also have like a law degree and, and you, so you've passed the bar and you've done all this, you know, studying as well, which I also like, you know, in the entrepreneur world is kind of funny. You know, a lot of people like don't do well in school. It's sort of this like trope, right? That like entrepreneurs, you know, kind of struggle in school and they don't do well in school. And then they kind of like go on this thing. So you're kind of the opposite in that sense, right? You're kind of like, you did, you did really well at school. It seems like, um, and, uh, yeah, is that, is that true? Did you like excel in school and, um, you know, kind of fit in in school pretty well and stuff like that? And just kind of the entrepreneur bug was just something in the background that was just tugging at you or, or did it kind of work a little differently for, for you in that sense? So, I mean, that's, that's a real good question. I want to give, let's get into the, the real version, not the Instagram version of life. Right. So, <laughs> yes. Yes, I did go and I got, you know, my undergrad degree and then went back to law school. I did okay in law school. I will say I wasn't completely focused on it. Like in law school, everybody's, it's, it's you know, a grind, a serious, serious grind to try yeah. and pull out the top grades because everybody wants to graduate as the top of their class from the law school or whatever, because that is what's going to help you land those interviews and get those big jobs that get you the big paycheck. Right. Mm -hmm. For me, by the time I was in law school, I already had my own business interests and I was going the entertainment route. So, yeah, my plan was to come out and be an entertainment attorney because I thought that would fit with my background. But Mm. when I got into law school, I realized that especially in Michigan, there was no entertainment program. Right. There was very little entertainment in the state of Michigan that actually happens. You would need to be in New York or Miami or some somewhere else. Um, in the United States that has more of a, 
you know, that's more of a center for entertainment. So I kind of just went through law school. I got my mainly B's, right? A couple A's here and there, a C here and there. You know, it's like I wasn't excelling. Yeah. I wasn't like the best student there, but I wasn't also wasn't trying to be. Um, I see. You know, I wasn't spending, if somebody else was spending 20 hours there in the library studying, I was like, yeah, let me give a good 12, you know, <laughs> and just go mm -hmm. in and, yeah. and get a grasp for the material. But I was doing it for myself more than I was doing it to try and beat everybody else out. So, um, so, so that's, that's that piece of it. But down the road, I have long, I mean, there's plenty of times where I've questioned, did I really need to go through all of that school and spend all of that time? And yeah. what I, I mean, knowing what I know now, I would be much better off just grabbing a couple courses and doing, getting in and implementing some stuff. There's so much, you know, the stuff you put out on YouTube alone and you're, you know, you grab that in your cold email course and you've got, you know, you really got yeah. an MBA and being able to get out there and do it. And you're going to learn so much more just by just getting your hands dirty and getting out there and doing it. So for me, I think for a lot of years, I was kind of spinning my wheels. So from yeah. the outside, from the outside looking in, yes, I was quote unquote successful. I was able to support myself. I was able to support my family doing what I do um, and enjoying it. But I working some crazy hours, right? Not able to get away from it when I really want, you know, when I want, when I want to take a vacation, right. I have to usually have to like plan for a week to be able to get away for a week just to make yeah. sure that, you know, everything doesn't fall apart while I'm gone. You know, all of that kind of stuff happened too. So yes, I was, I've had a, you know, six figure plus agency for, I don't know how long, but that's not really all that much in the grand scheme of things. Right. Right. So right. So, yeah, I mean, like to, to really dig into it, things have gone well and I've had some success, uh, but I only now feel like I'm really hitting my stride to take things to the next level. And probably the biggest thing that I was doing wrong was having too much on my plate. You know, yeah. it was easy. It, it, it felt like a good thing. It felt like stability, because if you've got like seven different revenue streams that you can lean on then if any one of them drops out, you've got another one to kind of go back right. to, to go to right. and, and scale that one up. But now having all of my eggs in this virtual DJ kind of basket. And, and so I still have clients in my, my agency and we've, we've cut some clients that just weren't really a great fit. We were kind of keeping them on just because they're yeah. paying and we're doing the work. Right. So we've yep. gotten rid of that and we're I'm narrowing it down, you know, to the, the people that we can best serve but I'm yeah. not looking for growth in the marketing agency. I have my team actually working with me to grow this virtual space and the things that are happening now. So that focus, just being able to focus in everything that I do is lifting that, right? That boat is just Amazing. lifting. Every time I pour some more water in, it lifts up, it lifts up, it lifts up rather than like lift this one and then lift that one. And then it goes up a little bit and then it's down and it's up and it's down, right? That's how things used to be. And so it's, it's much harder to get ahead when you're focused on seven different things at the same time uh, yep. than it is if you just are focusing really solidly on one thing. Well, it's become kind of a it's become kind of a theme of this podcast already. Actually, I think everyone's going to see in the episodes that you know simplicity and and it, really simplicity and focus, you know, are like these two, just like benchmark, you know, these two kind of golden uh, golden eggs or or whatever. I don't even know what the the term to put, but just it's it's like 
they're very virtuous in this business stuff or in this life stuff, just to have like simplicity in your life and focus in your life. And you're just able to scale that as big or as small or what, it doesn't really matter what you do with that, but it just makes your life so much easier and, um, and so much better. So that's, it's something I'm definitely getting from the podcast is just this like, you know, almost oversimplification of things is like the best possible thing you can do. So I'm, I'm really glad you touched on that. Um, so, and also, you know, real quick, I just wanted to make a, make, uh, ask you a question too, because I know you have a, uh, you have an awesome daughter, um, you know, and, 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 and kids and a family and all that stuff. When did all that, um, happen in that trajectory, man? Like when, when did you sort of, you know, um, when, when did you and your wife get together and have, and, and, and have your, your child and everything like that? And kind of what were you doing at that time? Because I think that's also something that I'm really curious about, uh, in your kind of story, because having, you know, a kid and, and, and having a family and all that stuff, it changes you know, your mindset a lot, I think, like when you're doing this kind of stuff, especially as an entrepreneur. So kind of curious about that one, if you, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. So my wife and I have been together for quite a while. So I think we are, man, we are approaching about 15 years now of us being, you know, since like meeting each other. Um, but we had our daughter, we got, you know, married, Took us a while before we, we got to marriage. And that is what about uh, seven years ago, six years, six, between six to seven years. And then um, right. our daughter just turned five. So amazing. And um, and I am in my early 40s. Um, but getting towards 40 really was what got me to be more serious, because I think in my 30s, I was kind of feeling like I was living the life a little bit. I was still DJing. But though not at the level that I was before, but I could still kind of roll around and just walk right past the line into places. And I was getting treated <laughs> like a local celebrity, really. So there was that. Sure. And then I felt like, OK, I'm making six figures in my digital agency. You know what I'm saying? Like it just <laughs> it felt like everything was um, kind of felt gravy a little bit until I realized that, OK, wait a minute. Hold up. Now I have a, a family and I'm having a kid, you know, and, and it. it the whole world came into perspective yeah. <laughs> and it kind of changed what I was looking at and how I was viewing things and said, wait a minute, I really don't have anything. I need to get this together. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so yeah. that was, um, that definitely was a turning point having my daughter and realizing that I, I want more for my family was, yeah. uh, helped me to focus. And, and even, you know, just getting towards and then turning 40, that was a huge point where it's like, okay, it's time to get serious now. Right. And so that's that's where I am in my life. Um, and I just I feel blessed to be able to be where I am right now because I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, but I just want to I really want to share some of the things that happened to me kind of happened to me. <laughs> it's like, and you know, I know they say luck is when, you know, opportunity meets preparation. So, and, and that definitely is the case, right? I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now if I hadn't been DJing for 20 some years, right? So I, I gave it right. away, I'll tell you. <laughs> like, I've been doing this for a long time. So what makes me special is I am DJing and then I'm also talking to people and taking requests over, you know, chat. I'm looking at a chat screen in front of me and taking requests, playing people's requests, making jokes with them and just creating an atmosphere all the while playing music. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I've been doing it for a really long time to be able to say, okay, what's a great song and just throw that in and, and have all of these kind of probably juggling the seven different business interests 
shaped my mind in such a way that I'm able to be talking to people and pulling up songs and queuing up songs, you know. So I'm, I'm just thankful. Yeah, I'm thankful that it all came together. And I'm also thankful for, um, let's put it out here, shameless, not so shameless plug, prospecting toolkit being a tool that helped me to be able to get in touch with lots of those business because businesses, I'll finish my statement. I'm so excited to move past it, but <laughs> I don't know otherwise, even with the digital marketing knowledge that I had in the past, if I would have even tried to attempt to go after the companies that I'm reaching out to now, if not for finding prospecting toolkit, right? Well, because being able to Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it's impressive, man. It's impressive what you've uh, what you've been able to do. And I mean, I think it goes beyond. Obviously, you know, you get you got the data and, and you did all that kind of uh, that stuff. But the the angles that you're taking and the uh, the approach that you're taking is really really interesting. I think we can maybe um, zoom into that zoom into that soon um, with with the cold outreach and what you're doing because I think obviously getting meetings with Nike, getting meetings with uh, Cisco. I mean, these companies are just you know, like you said, they're gargantuan. I mean, they're they're enterprises. They're not like medium small businesses so uh, i think it's gonna be really interesting for some some people listening of just you know um i, th I think that's also really interesting that just you know going out on a limb and going for those big enterprises you know with a a unique value proposition um also you're kind of zooming in with something that uh has also become kind of a theme on this podcast which is and you're doing it through your dj sets is is building relationships is actually being like a person that's open that's building relationships that's communicating that's like um you know in in your dj sets it's like the people that are in this in this party they're they're kind of like the they're they're the boss so to speak right and you're treat, you're giving them the respect and the space that a lot of people won't do because i mean i've man I've, I've i've been around djs like my whole life and just that whole like that that thing where it's like no requests like get get back from the booth you know what i mean like you know I, i'm sure you know yeah it's like get the fuck back from the booth like move, move away i'm doing my thing i'm an artist right it's like it's right. uh you know it's it's a, it, there is a bit of self-importance in that and um i think you know there is a bit of like and, and that can be a real uh that can be a real drag for people whereas like what you're doing is bringing them into the experience and that relationship building on the Nike side and the, and the contacts you're making there. And then also on the actual building, the culture of what you're doing within the actual party, there's kind of like this meta micro relationship building that you're handling that um, is really special. And like you said, kind of makes you unique from um, all the other DJs who are like, not humble, not too self-important, think they're, uh, you know, think, think that they're just like God at, in the booth. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, I mean, you, I think that's let really me jump unique. in on this. Let me jump in on this. Cause you make a good point. And this actually ties to how marketing has influenced my DJing. Right. So mm -hmm. because of the way that my kind of DJ career has progressed, I'm not well known by any means at this point, you know, I, I'm, I'm, bigger than some, you know, where a handful of people know me. Like I, you go to my Twitter account and what I'm close to maybe 6,000 people, but mm -hmm. other DJs that charge what I charge have 60,000 people or 600,000 people, or, you know what right. I'm saying? So yep. I can't compete with them based on those numbers. I don't have hit tracks that I've produced or anything like that, right. To stand on. So I needed to find something that would set me apart. And this is a Dan Kennedy thing if anybody out there knows Dan Kennedy direct marketer but he talks about how you know if you look at the a percentage right you've got 90% of people or at least let's see to be average right you need to be at 70%. So that means that 
70% of people, and I would even boost it up to say 80 or up all the way up to maybe 90% of people are doing generally about the same thing, right? You look at what everybody else is doing and then you say, okay, this is what the, the industry standard is. I'm going to go in and do the same thing. If you actually want to stand out or be outstanding, right? <laughs> if you actually want, actually want to be extraordinary instead of just ordinary, you need to do something extra. You need to do something different. So I said, what is something that other DJs of my caliber won't do? And that w- that is take requests, right? Yep. Just like you, you talked about it. It's, that is, it's a taboo thing. People don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. As a DJ, yep. you think of yourself kind of like, you know, a chef, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're at a, if, if somebody comes into a Michelin star chef, award-winning chef's restaurant is going to come in the kitchen and tell them how to make the food. No, get out of here. What are you talking about? You know, get lost right. with that. Right. So right. that's the same way we feel as DJs. But one thing I realized was that in a in-person venue, I'm the same way, but I can also look out at the audience. And if I play a song, I can see how they react to it. Right. So I can right. see if heads are nodding. I can see if I'm clearing the dance floor, if people are rushing to the dance floor. So that gives me that feedback to be able to go forward and play the next song and play the next song and create a vibe that brings everybody together and create a great yeah. event. Right. Virtually, I can't see people. Right. So all if, if they're not engaging with me, if I can't get them talking in the chat, I have no idea what they're doing. Are they enjoying it? Are they tuning out? Right. If I just start, see the numbers dropping, then yeah, maybe I'll know then, but I don't, I didn't want to wait for that. So I said, it's on me to engage this audience. Right. And so what can I do? Well, they care more about themselves and what they want to hear than anything that I want to play because they don't even know right. me. They didn't show up because DJ graffiti was famous. You know, they, they came to check this thing out. And so I'm lucky enough to have them here. How am I going to keep them here? And so by giving them shout outs, by taking their requests, by treating them, like you said, with respect. And that's something that most other DJs just won't do because it's taboo in the DJ industry. Right. So that's how the marketing all comes together. And I was like, I know that if I can do this, then now it makes me make sense. Whereas you're comparing me, if you just look on the social media aspects, look on the fame aspects, look who's in the, you know, and I'm trying to, the next step for me is getting press. Right. So getting other people to start talking about me, because at least I'll be able to, you know, bridge the gap there. But um, if you look at somebody else and they, they put an album out and then they start getting there in all these newspapers and articles and press happening about them. Right. And then you look at me and then I'm just this guy. You know, how do I how do I mat- level out and how do I match up with what they bring to the table? And um, I just created a list of these are the things I need to do. And I'm checking them off one by one and going at them directly. And guess what? I'm about to use prospecting toolkit to go out there and find me some journalists that I can build relationships with that will that are already writing about virtual events and what's going on in the metaverse and all of this stuff that I'm stepping into. And then that's how I'm going to create that opportunity is just instead of. uh, Yeah. Well, amazing. I, and I love, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's really important. I think it's amazing, like starting with that kind of direct outreach getting, cause you've got some great testimonials. It's incredible. Your testimonials are like, you know, I, I don't think I've read testimonials in a while that like had that kind of like glowing vibe to them where they're like, man, that was, that was so fun. This dude, you know, he takes it to the next level. You know what I mean? It's like, and so taking that and then turning that, you know, you're creating this whole environment around. And I love what you said about having like low follower count, not having the followers that these folks have, but 
you know, you have the social proof and you have the, pre you have some, once you build that press around you, it's like, what do people get when they search your name? What do people start to see when they, um, when they vet you, right? Cause you're reaching out going, Hey, like, you know, this department in, in, in Reebok or whatever, or Nike, you know, Hey guys, you know, I can do this event. And then it's like, they, oh, okay, DJ graffiti. And then they start to see, Hey man, this guy like hypes up the thing. This is, you know, and I love, um, let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit into like the value proposition real quick on the DJing too. Cause I think this is really interesting for people listening. Like, I think a lot of people, like you said, the Dan Kennedy example is perfect because it's like um, people feel like they have to go out, copy the, the big the, the thing that's that's working or whatever. They feel like they just have to go out and like become a, uh, you know, like a carbon copy of whatever's out there working. And the value that you're bringing is so multi-tiered and you're doing something kind of, I mean, obviously for this audience, uh, many, maybe, maybe there's some hobbyist DJs uh, that are listening to this, but I'm not sure anybody's really pursuing it. This is like an interesting path that you've been on that's led you to this. But the value proposition of these companies, I'm curious to kind of explore into that. Like, um, you know, I know there's some like culture building for the teams in, in the company. Um, there's, you know, there's like morale boosting. I'm curious to kind of into the psychology a little bit of like, like what you see as the value proposition, because, um, yeah, a lot of people are coming like they, they skip the most obvious thing right in front of their face. Like they're good at something and they don't know how to translate that into a value proposition. So it's like DJing and tech companies don't generally like, we don't hear about these intersecting um, very often, but I'd love to hear kind of what you think about just sort of the value proposition and like what your energy and interactivity brings to these companies and, and, and things like that. I'm actually learning that more day by day because yeah. the biggest thing that I know about the DJing is that there's something more there, right? And so I'm trying to actually, that's part of the reason why I'm reaching out for so many testimonials is because I want other people to put that into words in ways that I may not be able to, right? But at its core, yes, I am DJing for people. I'm providing entertainment services, but I think the bigger value is I'm, I've started to see that I'm more like a motivational speaker than I, I am it. a DJ, right? So and if you know anything about public speaking, people don't, that's another area that people don't like to be put into the motivational speaker bucket, <laughs> right? Because that means that your content is lackluster usually. Because when you see a motivational speaker, you go there, you watch them, um, you may leave with one catchphrase or something like that that leaves in your head. But by tomorrow, the motivation yeah. is gone, right? And, it, and it, it kind of fizzles away and then you need some more motivation, right? But if somebody's really delivering some content and they're dropping gems on you and, you know, hitting you with jewels, then you can take that and go have something to implement and implement into your life. But that's not really my purpose, right? People don't really bring a DJ in to give the the key content. I, I am opening up for lots of conferences and um, that, that's part of the value. So there'll be conferences, sales kickoffs. Sometimes it's just internal parties just to celebrate the team. Sometimes there are parties to celebrate, you know, key clients where we just want to bring all of our clients in and make sure they have an amazing time. So all of those are the different types of, it's mainly corporate, right? But all of those are the different types of events that I'm doing. But the value, there's, there's something more than that. During this time with COVID, with there was racial unrest going on here in the U.S. and just all That's this right. kind of stuff it has been like heavily weighing people down. And now it's just work, general work and life and balancing all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've all got a lot on our shoulders and we need to relax, right? You need to have a release to be able to come in as your best self. And I think 
that is that has been there's a mental health aspect to it that I'm just learning about more and more where just in general, if you you look into how they treat certain illnesses, they treat it with music, right? They'll play music for people that are going through certain types of dimension, different things, and it brings them back to a place where, you know, they're coherent and they're able to, you know, so there, there's so much going on there where it's just opening people up to to just being the best of themselves and being able to present their whole self, to be whole, to be healthy. And I never thought about that at all, you know, coming into this, but I'm seeing that that's a major component. And that's something that companies are investing in and know they need to, especially now that there's so much more work from home going on, because there's not a separation between work. You know, usually that was an entrepreneurial thing, (laughs) you know, when you were an entrepreneur or you were at a certain level and you're just a workaholic, right? And you didn't have separation between work and life because, you know, that's just how it was. Right. But now so many more people are getting that because they work from home. And so now their laptop is there all the time and people know they're there. And so they can be reached at any given time. So they now have to be taught how to have separation, just like most of the people on this call. Like you probably working around the clock. Sometimes when you you get excited about something, you get on your grind, you're just heavy into it. And then you realize, well, man, I've been running myself crazy for the last three or four days. I'm not quite at the same peak that I would be at if I actually went to sleep, you know, if I actually went that's and so chilled funny. and got away from things a little bit, you know, that's so, so that's funny, the value man. proposition. <laughs> I love it, man. No, I love it. I love, I, you know, and it's, it's just something that, uh, I, I think again, too, it's a, it's a lesson in exploring like the, the ICP to, you know, the ideal client profile and understanding that because it's like, you know, it's so easy to kind of, you know, focus on those surface level things. I mean, you got to get started somewhere, right? So it's just figuring out, okay, you know, obviously it's entertainment, obviously, um, there's a bit of team building and a bit of like camaraderie and people kind of like feeling like they're a part of a, a part of something, especially like you're saying in the post COVID thing, everyone's separated. They're feeling, um, like you said too, I think it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause yeah, a lot of people listening are going to resonate with that. I know I resonate like with, with that crazy. Cause you know, it's like just being that entrepreneur, you know, like outsourcing stuff, you know, having like VAs, having employees, but you're not actually meeting with them. Like that's been my life for so long. It's almost like, you know, you, you kind of forget that other people are like missing the office because it's like, nah, I've been, been doing this forever, right? But um, but that like, yeah, that kind of having to sort of connect those dots and bring people together and then bringing in the mental health aspect. Now, now it starts going beyond the surface. Now you're actually... It's therapy. I mean, you're, you're, you're acting at some level of, of therapy and, and mental health, uh, you know, kind of re- relaxation and, and opening up and just being a person again, so to speak, uh, with all the things that are going on. Uh, it just, it just, I think it's, it's good inspiration for anybody listening just to go and look at your ICP, look at who you're selling to and try to dive into what are those like beyond the surface things that you are doing for them. Like maybe you're doing marketing for them. Maybe you're doing, uh, you know, sales copywriting for them. It, it may go a lot deeper, the emotions that these people, you know, that you're actually dealing with, with these people. Right. And so I think that's really, really, uh, you know, really intriguing actually to hear about, um, and uh, so we can dive in. I, I think I wanted to dive in a little bit into your, you know, your your cold email approach a little bit of getting these companies because I think, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of like, because one thing I've been noticing about cold email, man, is it's really good. Obviously, it's great for sales when you're when you know who you're targeting and you're going after them like laser pointed, you know, get getting them on the phone and stuff. But there's also this other aspect of cold email and, and sort of like this cold outreach thing where 
it's great for market research, right? It's great to just sort of like test the waters in some different spaces to kind of say, hey, where am I getting replies? Is this resonating? Am I, you know, I'm changing. I have a couple of ideas. I've talked to a couple of people now. I'm kind of just going out there and sending some emails out. And I'm kind of curious, like with your approach to getting with, you know, these bigger companies and stuff like that, was that like, did that start as kind of like an experiment as a test or was that something that you were very like intentful that you, I mean, obviously you had done it before um, in some sense, bringing the DJing and the marketing together. But I'm curious, like when you went out there and just kind of started blasting out, you know, manual emails to these guys in these departments that you were, were you kind of, was this more of like a market research kind of test that you were doing that sort of started to evolve into something that actually, you know, you were like, whoa, this has momentum. Um, or, or was it something that was a little more laser targeted that you already had, you know, in your mind? I think once I so my very first virtual client was Duo Security, which had recently been acquired by Cisco. Right. So that was what opened the door to me working with Cisco. And so Duo Security. Um, let's see. They, they asked me to DJ an event after just seeing me because I had several of the people in the company that I was friends with on social media. And I was just jumping on mm -hmm. Facebook and YouTube and, and playing streams just for any fans of mine, friends, family, you know, everybody to just jump on because that's what DJs were doing in the pandemic. And so right. my, they were my very first client. And after seeing that event where they have, I think they might have five different offices throughout the world where they're in uh, one in Australia, one in London, several in the U S you know, they might have one in another country, maybe one in Canada or something like that. So, but just, I saw how I was able to communicate with different people that were in separate countries. And I realized that that was a key value, key point of value that was coming to the table because, uh, and then also after that event, one of the testimonials that they got was from a staff member that had always been remote. It was a contractor that wasn't a full-time or may have been a full-time employee, but at least was a contractor and not a actual employee of the company. And he said, for the first time, I feel like a real member of the team because everybody was in the same experience that he was in, right? Before he felt left out because everybody was at the office and they're getting all the perks and they're involved in all this <laughs> stuff. And you you get to see it on social media and hear it on Slack and how people are enjoying this, right? But then you're always feeling like you're on the outside looking in. But at right. this point, everybody was in the chat, communicating, partying together. And so I was like, wow, that's special. So as the whole idea of remote work started to grow, I was like, I need to go after companies that have people that are spread out all over the place and also that are remote. And I also said, wait a minute, I'm able to charge as much as I am for, you know, my, my bigger events that I'm doing here. And I'm able to do it from my basement without a whole lot of the setup and taking all that kind of stuff that I have to do for a normal event. Usually if I go to fly across the country, it's taking me days to travel, is set up and getting equipment and sourcing all this stuff. And that's when yeah. I would get paid my big dollars, but I can do that in my basement. Okay. Well, yeah. I need to go to companies that can actually afford to pay me at that level and don't flinch at my prices. Right. So that is what caused me to go after the enterprise companies, because I was like, I know they have the budget. <laughs> and so yeah. um, the way that I actually did it was from there. And, and a key point that I want to make is the fact that so it's cold email and I've always gone after reaching out to people that I you know don't have a relationship with. But I'm always looking for something to bridge the gap. 
right? So my best cold email campaign was one where I reached out to alumni of the University of Michigan that were executives at companies that I wanted to then get in touch with, right? So I went through Prospecting Toolkit and because of LinkedIn, I can see who's been to a certain school, right? And so I pulled all of those folks and created my cold email campaign and said, hey, I'm an alumni of U of M, you know, and then I went into my whole spiel about I've been doing events with companies like this, this, and this. And to get into more of my script that I send out, it really, it usually starts out with a compliment or some point to connect the dots, right? So I give like one sentence that's going to really connect with them and resonate with them. Then the second paragraph is social proof, right? Where I come in and I say, I've been working with this company and this company and this company and this company. And I've opened up in person for this artist, this artist, this artist, this artist. And then my third paragraph is where I go into my ask. And usually I do a kind of a lightweight ask. I'm not going out like, do you need a DJ? It's usually more so like, um, well, my exact thing was I created a video and I was sending it out to them. So I was like, can I share this link to the video with you? I created a a personalized video for you. Can I share the link? And so from there, some people get back, some don't. Um, But I think what was special about that campaign and why it worked so well is that the videos that I did create, I created about a 15 minute DJ set. The first one to two minutes, I personalized it for 30 companies that I really love their brand and you know, enjoyed what they do and had some sort of connection to the brand. So my intro was like, you know, in one company I'm actually talking to right now, not so much about DJ gigs, but my outreach to them, which is Dropbox. I use Dropbox all the time. That's where all of my music is stored in Dropbox so that if my computer goes down, I can just grab another copy from Dropbox and load it up on another computer. But now they actually nominated me internally for a Dropbox award, right? Um, For like, top creative or whatever for my use of Dropbox. And so my, my little initial video was like, hey, I use Dropbox to save my life, so on and so forth. I would really love to party with you. Let me show you what it's going to look like when we get to get, get together and party. And right. So that was my intro that then led into a DJ video. And that DJ video from beyond that intro, it was the same for all the 30 companies. But I put that one minute segment on the front that was personalized for them. And then I put their logo over the top of the entire video. So they felt everybody who watches it thinks I made a 15 minute video just for them. And so having that, sending it out through cold email, that's what created relationships with Google, with Nike. I'm trying to see with Dell. Wow. Um, It was actually Dell and Intel together on that event. And then the Nike event was actually Nike Converse and Jordan brand together on that event. So like all those relationships came out of cold email. And I'm sure there's some more that I'm forgetting that I just can't think of off the top of my head. But yeah, that's that's how that happened. Oh man. So the form, now the formula is great. And I think for anybody listening, it's just like epic uh, to listen to this because you know what you're doing, I mean, and you're, and you're giving so much value up front, man. I mean, you're showing them the level that, you know what I mean? The le- the level that you operate at, you're personalizing it. Everything is so relevant in that email. I love how you found the university, you know, connection that that you, that you had something, some common ground that you created in that first sentence. Um, then you were going into social proof and, and basically just saying, "Hey, I've done this before. I, you know, I've worked with these companies. Um, I'm not new to this." And then you're going, "Hey, I made this personalized thing," and you're giving some value up front. And this is something that's just so, um, especially when reaching out to like enterprise customers. And I think you know you're you're seeing success with it. It's just like, you know, giving that value up front and being willing to 
just put it out there, right? And like put some work in on the front end to, to get some huge opportunities on the back end. And you had mentioned that you've been, you know, one thing I wanted to zoom in uh, now that we've kind of uh, done that, I think that's a really, really, that, that should be valuable for anybody listening. If you want to like rewind on that a couple of times, rewind on that section, please. Because uh, it's going to help you in the long run. Um, one thing that you mentioned uh, earlier too is that people keep coming back, and that um, that was really exciting to hear about. Um, you know, the kind of the retention aspect of this, because you know, I, I don't know if we can directly attribute it to that personalized video, but there's something you know besides obviously the the the, uh, the actual experience and the deliverable and what you're doing in the DJ sets combined with that personalized outreach and that work that you put in on the front end, I'm curious like what you see as sort of that recipe for success that kind of keeps bringing, keep bringing people back because I think that's also something that um, people forget about, you know what I mean? When putting the value up front, they kind of, sometimes it seems like, oh man, yeah, well, I'm going to get like one job out of this and then I'm going to have to do this again and again and again. No, you keep getting these repeats from these same people. And I wanted to kind of like maybe dive in a little bit on what you think about just sort of um, retention and repeat customers and, um, you know, how that, how that's operating for you. Yeah. So I think the reason that people keep coming back is really just the experience of the DJ set is I'm getting, I'm starting to see analytics and numbers from the sets themselves. And from the last couple bigger clients that I did events for told me, both told me it was 90 some percent of people from their company that were invited showed up to the event. Right. So wow. one company actually told me, uh, after this was after they just had their it was a celebration for their public launch right so their their ipo happened and then i did the virtual celebration right after their ipo happened that day they were wow. you know everybody's watching them listed on nasdaq and then Shit, you know man. i did the party after that and i got 91 percent of those people to come and join that stream so it's just there's something about it that is just so exciting and I had, I've done many events with them in the past. So I, it probably wasn't that high at first, but I've maybe done 20 something events for that company, you know, leading up to that point. So people kind of know what to expect and they're excited about it and they're talking about it. But it's just, you have to know when you create a great experience for someone, you need to continue to build that relationship and, and continue to pour into that relationship. Don't have a great experience, get a testimonial and move on. Right. Make sure find out what's next. Right. <laughs> and keep that door open. And, and mainly it's about helping them create solutions to whatever their pain points are. Right. So I think that that happens to, if, if anybody who's a business owner that has several different categories of things that they offer, even if it's all in the same kind of bucket. You always end up with this, you hearing about a client of yours that had a great experience who goes to somebody else for the exact service that you offer. And it's because your relationship wasn't strong enough for them to know you did that thing. And they would have gladly come to you and right. save themselves a lot of time and energy of going to find somebody else. But you didn't stay in contact. You didn't, you know, cross sell your stuff and you didn't you didn't build that relationship strong enough. So for me, what that looks like right now is I know I'm working in these enterprise companies. I'm usually at some of the companies I'm, you know, it's top down where I'm working with you know, the, the general events for all of the whole company, but other ones I'm working with like a small department. So they may have 20,000 employees and I'm touching 3000. Right. So right. that means there's a ton of, you know, um, opportunity within that company that if I start to move laterally, 
and start to ask for introductions to other people. And that's really where I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to build out some cold email in, in that space just to say, hey, I've been doing events with such and such company. Here's a clip of the video I did for your company, right? And if you're interested in having this for, you know, trade future shows or conferences or whatever, reach out and let's talk about it. You know, that's going to be a huge opportunity moving forward. Man, huge, huge. No, this is all, I mean, it goes back to that just relationship building and putting, you know, giving, giving the respect. I mean, just treating people with respect at some point, but also finding these horizontal angles, like you just mentioned, you know what I mean? Of kind of like figuring out how to sort of navigate within these things and find more opportunities. And yeah, man, I mean, you know, people can be a little bit nervous. I think people kind of naturally get a little bit nervous about that stuff in the beginning, but it's like, man, like the value that you're adding to the thing, it's like, you want to spread spread the love, so to speak, right? And just like get more, um, you know, get get more engagement and get these people showing. That ninety percent plus uh, show up rate is just insane, man. That's by the way, uh, kudos on that. That's 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 just incredible. And having metrics also, I think that you can mention like that, right? Or su- is super helpful uh, going forward, right? Because that's like something that they're just not getting engagement. It's like you you know their pain points, man. Again, I think it it's going back to that ICP. It's going back to just knowing, um, you know, the pain points that you're actually solving for. And just like in the practice, it seems like you're learning so much every day, every time you do this, you're just like getting more and more insights on, you know, um, what, what you're actually doing for these companies and, and all this stuff. So it's really just all that intelligence kind of like compounds and the interest starts to compound and everything goes forward. Right. I want to ask true. you a, di- I want to ask you a direct question, man. That's, um, maybe a, a little bit philosophical, which also I think plays back into your uh, philosophy background, which I'm really uh, interested. I was really, really intrigued by that. I'm not going to dive into that one, but I'm curious, like this one, this question, I think is something that um, has come up for me a lot recently. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, how much do you think passion matters? Well, obviously we're talking about business a little bit here, but you know, how much do you think passion matters in terms of um, you know, building something sustainable, something that um, that you know ma- makes money. Obviously, first off, because we all need money and we all need to survive. But um, just how much do you think like passion actually plays into this whole thing? And um, you know, yeah, we're, 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 I guess that's the question. <laughs> how, how do you how do you see passion in this equation and um, versus just you know making money or just um, you know learning a skill or et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so that's a good. That's a very very good question. I happen to be in a place where I have never been, I I can't think of a time outside of, you know, my jobs that I had when I was in my teenage years, like my 15 and 16, that I wasn't, I didn't have some sort of passion for what I was doing, right? So there's plenty of times where DJing related or marketing related, I wasn't passionate about everything, right? That, that was going on. You know, I was, I might've been DJing an event that I was like, okay, I'm doing this for the money, right? And I got, right. but I still love the DJing and I had a passion for the DJing and a passion for entertaining people, right? And yep. there were times during the marketing where I didn't love the grunt work I had to do on a certain angle of it, but I just, I can sit around thinking about marketing and talking about marketing strategies and ideas and, you know, just the wins that you get through marketing, you know, that, fuels me. I'm passionate about that. So Mm -hmm. I think to answer your question, I think it's very important that you are doing something that you are passionate about. If you are passionate about something else other than what you're doing, then you need to probably pivot and find a way to work that passion into it because Mm -hmm. that's when you just won't want to do the thing, 
right? You're going to get to a point where I just don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. I'm upset about the fact, you know, internally your subconsciously, your brain is going to tell you, don't do it. Don't be successful because you don't want to be doing that thing, right? So you need to have some element of passion in there, but I don't know that it necessarily, you know, if you're passionate about cooking, that doesn't mean, you know, just drop everything. Your only job is to be a chef. It's like, you right. could, you could, do something else that relates to cooking or, you know, mm -hmm. and, and maybe still be fulfilled in that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think this goes to a spiritual standpoint for me because I, uh, my yeah. faith is a big part of who I am. And I believe that we all have, you know, a gift that's put inside of us in that direction. The reason that you're passionate about that is because you have a special gift in that area. Right. So, you're actually working against the grain to, to not be involved with doing that gift. So yeah, don't die unfulfilled because you chose to try and go make money over here instead of doing what you're passionate about. Right. Figure out how you can make money <laughs> in something that is aligned with what you're passionate about. I think that's that's generally what I would advise people to. That's that's so that's so helpful, man. And I think uh that's that's I mean it's helpful for me as well, man. And I think um yeah, the the faith aspect too is is really um is so important, man. I mean, whether, you know, whether you're religious or not or whatever, whatever the situation is, it's like, you know, I read this quote the other day that kind of blew my mind, man. And it was, uh, I'll share it real quick. It was, and I don't know exactly verbatim, but it was something along the lines of, you know, if, if you don't have complete, utter 100% confidence and faith in yourself, then you're insulting God, you know, you're insulting the creator, you know, in, in, in that sense. Right. And so I think it kind of, and, and that really hit me. I was like, wow, that's really, that's actually super insightful because you know, that's that, that's going against the passion and that's going against what you're naturally inclined to do. Right. And it's just, so it, it, you're, you're just, you're insulting your, your own, your own, you know, perfect creator, basically, you know, in this, wow. in this amazing thing that you're in by not having just that un, unbelievable, unmoving confidence, you know, in, in yourself, because you, right, you are God as well, right? We're all like part of this. So it's, it's really, um, that, that would kind of hit me, man, where I was like, wow, I, I you know, it made, made me kind of like really have to sit there and just kind of rethink and ponder that quote a little bit and just think about life a little bit. So I'm, I'm glad we, we got into that a little bit. I think the passion, it's definitely a spiritual thing. It's definitely a, um, you know, just a, just a, a really deep thing to think about that, that passion is just, and, and, you know, it's one of those things I believe that you have to have some level of passion in it too. Uh, I, I believe the same thing. It's like, if you don't have the passion in it, when things get hard, you stop, right? You quit. It, it's so easy to quit when you don't have that that thing behind you that's going, no, no, I love this. I love what I'm doing. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to find a way to, and, and, and with you, I think it's really interesting actually in your journey too, because you know, you, I mean, you shared the stage with, with Jay-Z and, and Beyonce and Dave Chappelle, one of my favorites of all time. You know what I mean? Eminem, Thatch, all these guys, you, you, you shared the stage with these guys, but you didn't go that right. You found another way to do what you're passionate about. One of the things you're passionate about and do it in a really meaningful way for you. Um, it, it's supporting your family. So it's like, you know, it's my, it's, you know, uh, financially stable and, 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 uh, helping you in that way. But you found a way to kind of pivot because I know what you mean about the touring, man. I, I mean, go to go back on that a second, man. I, like, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause yeah, touring is, is it's so hard, man. It's so terrible. Like when you're not in that mindset, when you're just kind of like, in, in the beginning, it can be kind of like, Oh, 
And then, you know, also fame, I think, has is a double-edged sword for a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, can't, it's just, it's just not like the natural thing, you know what I mean, that, that you want to be doing. You want to be unique. You want to be an artist, but, you know, and you want to make people happy and you want to be fulfilled, but you don't want to necessarily have to, like, hop on planes and go do this whole hustle all the time, you know what I mean, and, and, and do that. So um, you found a way to kind of go, hey, look, I, I know myself. I know what, I'm, what I want to be doing, you know, more or less. Like, so I'm going to try to, you know, through that journey, you kind of pivoted and found a way, um, a creative way, I, mu I must say as well, to kind of you know, funnel that creativity and that passion and everything that you have in this um, into something that's sustainable. So it, it's huge, man. It's absolutely huge. And um, really on that note, I want to kind of move into something that also has become kind of a staple of this podcast that is, is kind of a debatable topic, man. Again, like, like the passion, I think, um, you know, scaling. So scaling is something that is pushed out there by gurus. Everybody's talking about scaling. Everything has to be infinitely scalable. Everything has to be, um, obvious, you know, obviously I agree. There needs to be a big, uh, total addressable market involved. You need to do your, your research on what you're doing a little bit, you know, just to know that, okay, like there's enough customers out here to, you know, sustain me for the long term and for this thing to grow. But in terms of like scaling, um, as this like go-to thing, like, you know, I, I immediately want to scale employees and have a big organization and be doing all these kinds of things. And uh, again, goes back to your spinning like seven dishes, uh, kind of thing, you know what I mean? Where you're just handling all these things and scaling. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts on like, so on what you're doing and the future of what you're doing and how you see scale in, in what you're doing or, or if you see scale in what you're doing or how you, um, kind of plan on, on sort of the future of, of what you're doing here with the, with the DJing for, for the events and uh, the virtual events and everything like this? Yeah. So that is a great question. Amazing question. Because for me in the past, I always jumped too early to think about scaling, right? That yep. was something from a digital standpoint when I started building, um, building out Legion sites, right? I, I got one Legion site and it started to work. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm building out 50 Legion sites. And then I dropped the ball on that project before I ever really got it live because it wasn't, I should have done one Legion site. And then maybe I should have said, okay, let's do three more and get those up and get those mm -hmm. operating. And then less, you know, but I was like, all right, we one worked, let's do 50 at the same time, right? And so in needing to create content for 50 and do copy for 50 and drop backlinks for 50 and all of that kind of stuff, it, it got tedious, it got crazy. And then I just dropped the ball and didn't fulfill that, right? So I tried to get to scale too early. Yeah. And that's just really, you know, one story to talk about many stories of, of similar <laughs> things that has happened over time where yeah. I don't feel like I got to the full potential of things that I was doing because I didn't take it step by step, you know? And so I think there's, you know, there is, you, you can lose by not scaling, right? There's definitely places where I kept it too small and then somebody else came and kind of took over that larger piece of the pie before I got a chance to step into it. And I should have scaled. I should have thought bigger. Uh, but more often than not, I tried to scale too quickly and didn't have all of my, you know, ducks in a row to make that happen and ended up not, you know, not getting to the full extent of what was possible with that idea or with that business. And uh, so when it comes to this DJing thing, I have one goal right now, one North Star, and that's a set number of events per week. That's all I'm focused on right now, right? Everything that I'm doing has to contribute to, has to be something 
that is, you know, a critical piece of the path of where I'm trying to go in terms of creating a certain number of events per week. Right. And for me right now, that's four events per week. Now, there's plenty of weeks that I, I do and that's four one hour events generally on average per week. There are plenty of weeks that I do more than four. There are weeks that I do seven events. but There's still weeks that I do zero events. Right. So I want and and I'm not to my average of four yet. Right. So if once I get to my average of four weeks, then that's when I'm going to change that goal and, and put it to a, a different place. However, I'm, I've already been thinking about scale. I, I know once I get to the point of having four on average, there's going to be way more, you know, interest that I, then I can't handle from a DJ perspective that people wanting the type of entertainment I'm providing. So I'm always already grooming a few other entertainers and DJs to be able to pick up some of that overflow that's there. But for me, I'm also, I'm starting to kind of curate entertainment experiences that may or may not have anything to do with DJing, but I'm realizing that those enterprise companies, they just enjoy having all of the work kind of done for them and having something that's ready to go set in front of them. So I'm able to leverage some of my entertainment contacts to bring in bigger name celebrities. So now it's not just DJ Graffiti, the guy we don't know. DJ Graffiti is actually the, you know, the connect to help us get to these people that we really do know. And mm -hmm. all of that can just be handled in, in one go, right? So there's there's so many different ways that I can go, uh, but the, the easiest is just going to be continuing on the same path and adding more entertainers to the mix. Because I know at some point I'm going to be at a place where I'm like, okay, I, I don't really want to do this as much, or maybe I don't even want to do this anymore. Now I've got an agency in a sense that we are the ones who do the lead generation. We bring in the business and then we have people that we funnel that to. And um, yeah, so, so, so there's multiple ways that I'm looking to grow this. And then, you know, even beyond that, I'm looking for other opportunities. Once that path because here let's let's take a step back sure. the real thing that i'm building is a series of or a you know pool of relationships with people in certain places so at corporations with people that are event producers and event planners that might be at agencies that they then throw you know events for corporations and um, all of and anything else that that falls into that bucket, right? So once those relationships are built, it doesn't matter what the product is, as long as this has something to do with events and corporations, right? I can help that process move forward, right? So some down the road, I'm also looking at acquisitions and or taking a piece of a company that might need to get through the door, you know, and reach that same market. Right. We can right. help them. Great. You need marketing. You need copy. You need, you know, website stuff. You need your value proposition dialed in, all that kind of stuff. We can help you. Right. So so th that's the, those are the ways that right now I'm thinking about scale. And, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there are even more. And actually, now that I have people's ears, I want to throw this out there. Something personally that I'm looking for along those same lines is I I really enjoy the, the cold email piece. We're doing some, you know, paid advertising, leaning into paid advertising and then retargeting and content marketing, right? To be able to create a flow of customers for a company. So I'm looking for very niche. So niche products or services 
that they want growth, right? I really, I've always, everybody kind of focuses in on the same set of industries, right? Where, oh, lawyers got a lot of money. Let's go after them. Oh, real estate agents. Right. Oh, solar. Oh, you right. know, when, when it was, when it was Legion, it was uh, property restoration. Cause that was like uh-huh. the most you could get paid. It was like, oh, you can get 500 a lead for property restoration, but it's a terrible industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. Not yeah. the property restoration. Totally. Like the, the work that they're doing is great, but it's, of course, it's, but... <laughs> it's construction. Construction is, is kind of an abrasive industry if that's, and that's not my personality. I'm more of an easygoing kind of guy and construction yes. is like, you know, it's a real, no doubt. No doubt. Man's industry and like people talk kind of rough and, and, like and automobile like, and all that too. Yeah. Just like, yeah. You it's, know that. Right. It's like, I, I'm just not going to let anybody talk to me like that. Right. And I don't talk to other people like that. So that wasn't, wasn't for me, but it was 500 a lead. Right. So I was going to be in there, you know, <laughs> here, let me tell this quick story about that. I actually set up a Legion uh, site in property restoration and set it up so that the calls that came in, I funneled them or I sent forwarded them over to a company that was in my area and let them get two or three leads, which would have been worth at the time anywhere between two to $500 a piece. And then I called up the guy and said, Hey, have you gotten, have you gotten any calls from my company? And I don't know if you, if anybody out there knows how this works, but usually you put a little thing called a whisper at the beginning of the call. And it says like, this call is from overflow marketing solutions. And then the phone rings and then somebody calls and says, Hey, I need property restoration. Right. So that gives the the business a clue that you sent them that lead. So then when you call up and you're like, Hey, I sent a few leads your way. Usually you would think they would be like, Oh yeah, I did get those. You, you can send me more of those. Okay, cool. I'll pay you. Right. That's how it's supposed to go. I right. get in the phone with this property restoration guy and he's like, I didn't tell you to send me any calls. And I'm like, Oh, Lord. I'm like, he was just, he's like barking at me and angry and saying, Oh, my I didn't God. tell you to send me. And, and he was using choice words to describe me that I won't, I won't repeat. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like, yeah, no, this is, this isn't for me. I, I just let it go. And I, I mean, yeah. that, that site was probably worth thousands of dollars if I could find, but I called five or six different people and they weren't ready. You know, they, they wouldn't, they just wouldn't budge on it. They were just so, you know, I don't know what I know. Some industries are like that, man. They're just brutal. (laughs) So speaking of scale, and I don't know if I actually got to my point, I'm looking for industries that are not the same ones that everybody's going after, but I want to find smaller niche industries where somebody has a great product or service and it's working well. They got a handful of customers they've been able to serve well and got good testimonials, but they're looking to grow that and get out to more and figure out how do we find the rest of this market? I want to invest either, you know, mainly it's it's time and money, right? Because they're, they're really the same thing, but I want to invest in helping those companies really grow and get out to the market that they're after. And I think what I've learned through this whole cold outreach process is I've put together a system to be able to do that, you know, but I wouldn't want to do it for just, you know, this huge industry of real estate agents, right? That's too much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Awesome. Well, yeah. If anybody's listening, man, that you got, you know, you meet those requirements, get in touch with Martin um, and see if that's a good fit, but that's awesome, man. I, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You mentioned a couple things here I and mean, I'll just go through it a little bit. Cause that was, that was, that was an amazing little, little run there. I mean, mentoring, um, you mentioned, you know, mentoring, uh, you know, young, younger artists, younger DJs, you know, guys that are, that are getting going that, that, you know, could use an opportunity, uh, teaching, um, zooming in on that a little bit. I mean, you know, those, those two, 
personally, what I found is that, you know, mentoring and teaching, you actually get better. You, you actually learn more and get better at what you're doing through doing that, right? Because you're kind of like crystallizing everything that you've learned, everything that you've done, like all those tours you did, all those things you did, all those headlining, you know, acts that you played with, all these uh, virtual events, you, it all starts to sort of crystallize and you start to see it more as like a, whoa, like in retrospect, shit, this is, these are the mechanics. These are the frameworks. These are the, are the foundations, right, of the thing. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, we both know it's like everything comes down to foundations at the end of the day. It's all little tweaks and little unique things put on top of a foundation that's, that's solid, right? So it's like, um, it's really exciting that that's part of the scaling. It's kind of bringing people in and starting to sort of become sort of an agency where you're bringing in talent. You're, you're you know, grooming them with the foundations that you've built out over these, you know, 20 odd years. And then you're putting them into these positions in these situations where they can they can thrive in this unique environment that you've created i think that's incredibly um that's incredibly cool and, and just I, I think that's going to work out so amazingly um you're talking about curating you know entertainment experiences you know creating more uh, creating networks and communities essentially in, in a way too of you know you're creating a, a networks of corporations and event planners and people that are sort of in these spaces needing events and then you're connecting them so you're becoming sort of like your your scale is sort of becoming a connector in a way of of, of these different things right because you know these you're you're the person that knows the value proposition value proposition and the needs of the corporations and the event planners and all these people and you also understand what it takes to be a talent in djing and, and, and being an artist and you know knowing how to play a crowd and knowing how to um you know all, all the mechanics that come in with djing right that like people think djing is just playing music and it's like whoa no 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 like this is it's it's way it's way more intricate than that and there's all these dynamics going on so i think that's really interesting kind of the community building and the network building and kind of being that that middleman uh, in a sense as as a scaling opportunity I think that's really, really interesting to look at. You're not looking at like hiring employees that then you're gonna, who, who don't have any experience or then you're gonna train and then you're gonna, right? You're talking about actually like curating and bringing these things together. Um, I think that's just awesome. And it's kind of, um, you know, what, one of the uh, other guests that we had in the podcast mentioned something where he said, it kind of stuck out to me that, that kind of uh, applies here. He was saying kind of, you know, I'm building the systems, you know, it's kind of like I'm building the engine of the car and then I can take this engine and I could put it in any car. You know what I mean? I can like, once I have that found that modular foundation of kind of like everything that I built and the values and the whole thing that I have, I can just sort of take that thing and slap that thing in another car and there's a couple little adaptations i might need to like tweak a couple things but that thing will run and it'll run super efficiently and so i see that as kind of where you're going with the acquisitions with the um with the agency you know the kind of like uh, entertainment whatever you want to call it agency that you're that you're talking about building um really really exciting stuff man i, I think this is a a really interesting thing for anyone that's listening you know it, it, you can think outside the box man you could do something differently um and, and, and you don't need to just do the thing that everyone else is doing. Because, yeah, everyone's going after real estate agents. By the way, they don't have money. <laughs> By the way, they don't even have the damn money. Um, you can go after property restora restoration, uh, roofing, blah, blah, blah. But, man, these guys are, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. I've gone after – I used to go after the insurance industry, Martin. It was like, dude, these guys are just fucking assholes, man. I'm like, God, I don't want to deal – I don't want to deal with this on a daily basis, man. This is worse than the, worse than the music industry. You know what I mean? So – um but anywho yeah so that really interesting stuff man i want to uh i think we can start sort of wrapping up if if, if you're cool with that i think we covered a lot of stuff i want to let you uh, get on with your day but um i definitely want to give um another 
shout out that anyone that's listening, man, if you're getting some traction with your business and you're looking for some help and you could use a mentor and you could use some sort of, uh, you know, put, put that rocket fuel, put that car engine, you know, in, in that thing and soup that thing up a little bit and get some, some nitrous oxide in your business, man. Martin is, is looking for opportunities here to find, you know, talented entrepreneurs that, you know, uh, he can invest in and, 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 uh, and help push you forward. So uh, if that's you, uh, get in touch with him. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's, it's just at DJ graffiti, right? That's me everywhere. If there's a DJ graffiti music, I want to know about it because, uh, I'm actually, uh, should I say this too loud, but I'm waiting for my trademark to come in after all of these years. (laughs) I'm waiting for the trademark for DJ graffiti to come in, but I I am DJ graffiti at DJ graffiti everywhere online. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, you know, whatever it is, I'm at DJ yeah. Graffiti. The only place that I am not as of right now is on Twitch. And so I'm DJ underscore graffiti on Twitch. And uh, that was one of the things that prompted me to get my trademark kind of go file because awesome. I'm like, I want to be DJ Graffiti everywhere. And I and it's a unused profile um, that I want to claim. And the only way they'll let me do that is if I actually have the trademark to it and say, hey, you're Fantastic. You know, squatting on my property. But um <laughs> You know, beyond that, djgraffiti.com, you can find me there. And then my marketing website is, the marketing company is Overflow Marketing Solutions. And the website is I want, W-A-N-T, overflow.com. So I want overflow.com. So yeah, you'll find me. Yeah, just reach out. Um, I definitely, so I will say I'm, you know, protective over my time because I am focused on that one single goal for right now, but I am keeping my eyes open for those opportunities because after, once I reach that goal, that's when I'm going to dig in more, more deeply on looking for what I'm calling it, you know, digital real estate development, right? Yeah. I'm looking for yeah. companies that, and exactly what you said about, you know, someone else said the engine, I got this engine right here. I can drop it into any car. I'm, I'm looking at it and I have two of those. One of them is the relationships that are getting built with the corporations and the people there that that want entertainment and or event solutions, really anything in that area. Okay, that's one engine. And once I have it, I can plug in anything that, that needs those inputs and we're good to go. Yeah. The other thing is this outreach system, right? So it's starting to work well and dialing that in and knowing, okay, cool, here's, the, here's how the CRM is going to connect with the email and we got paid ads and all of that is working and fine-tuned there. I can take that and roll that out for any business that I think makes sense for that same kind of outreach formula. Right. So I, I just really encourage people to look at that, that like what the real value is that you have and what you're doing. As I was telling a friend who has a photo booth company and uh, he actually bought the photo booth company for me, I sold it to him and he's been <laughs> having success with it. But, you know, photo booths were really, really popular at one point. Now they're, you know, a solid thing that lots of people have at weddings and graduations and stuff like that, but they're not as popular as they once were. So I'm telling him, keep your eyes on what's new that everybody wants. And it becomes the new biggest thing in the world. Cause with the system that you really have is your, how people are able to sign up and do business with you. You have that kind of streamlined for them to be able to sign up and, and you can close that business fairly easily. Then you have this team of people that can go out and provide services at events and, and having a team that's trained and ready to go, you can plug any product into that and you're good to go. Right. So like I I would encourage you, if you're doing something that seems like it's kind of slowing down and you, you know, you don't aren't getting as much traction, 
can you plug something else into the, the key value that you're bringing to the table and align that with something new that has that kind of jet fuel behind it and then take off from there? Because that's really what happened. I already was a DJ, I already had the marketing stuff, but then the pandemic brought virtual events to the table. And then that's how I've been able to kind of take off. It wasn't something I did. I, I was just prepared with those things and just happened to be at the right place when all of that came together. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. And I mean, you wouldn't, I mean, you, none of that would have happened, would have happened if you didn't build those skills and have that passion over time and just put the work in too, though, you know, and I think that's uh, a lot of people listening, man. I get that, you know, we get questions in the group all the time. It's sort of like, how do I build an offer? How do I do these things? You know, it's like, man, um, do what Martin did and just get, get out there, man, and do, and do something, you know, and, and just all the experiences that you had, I just to reflect on, it was amazing, man, that, you know, you went through, you know, school and, and law school, you did all these things. It's like you, you've done so much in your life, man, leading up to this point um, that it's just it's incredible to just, you know, once you have that engine and you get to that point. And it's crazy because I know like a lot of the resources that are available now weren't available, you know, when you were a kid, they weren't available when I was a kid either. You know what I mean? And there was just a lot of trial and error that was going on like <laughs> all the time, you know what I mean? And just struggling and stuff. So, um, you know, utilize the resources that are out there now and, and really try to, you know, just just get out there and take action on, on shit, man, and just do stuff. Yep. Um, cause there's just so much opportunity these days. It's just unreal. For sure. Take that imperfect action. I've never been good at that. I'm a perfectionist. So I always yeah. like to dial something in till it's absolutely perfect. And then you put it out there and find out it's not perfect anyway, <laughs> even though you thought it was, but you spent well, all the... that time. Just, I think what's happened the with, and I don't know what changed that up until now is that I'm finally able to take imperfect action. I just do something yeah. and throw it out there and see if it works and then iterate on it. Right. And you've been a huge inspiration to me with that, you know, and I've said that to you a couple of times, I've seen how you start with something small and keep building on it and making it bigger and larger. And then finally it starts to realize the vision that you have for yeah. it. Right. I remember yeah. I was one of the what first 15 yeah. people in the group. Definitely. Right. And yep. and now there's hundreds of people in the group. Right. And you yep. morphing it into something new. So it's like, yeah, you you just have to kind of start where you are and, and keep building and growing and and just being able to have that stamina is a huge reason yep. for success is like to keep going with it until it becomes what you have in your what, the, what you had the vision for in the first place until it gets there. Don't don't it, don't worry about if it takes detours along the way. Just stick with it right. and keep growing it and keep putting that effort in and force it to get wherever it's going to go. You know, as long as That's it's right. not like, yeah, I mean, That's right. and what you said, too, I think you had some failures, you know, like when you when you because I know it's the it's the curse of the artist or, or the musician or the art, you know, that that artist in, in our brand, because I'm the same. I, I'm the same. I'm a total perfectionist. I mean, with the music, I'm a crazy perfectionist. Like I. I run over like mastering for like weeks. I can't like, no, 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 it's not, it's not there. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, like a lot of those failures, when you take it to market in the market, will tell you where it needs to go, where, where's the right thing to do. What's the right, right. You kind of need to like, there is a bit of like letting go with anything, right? It's like, you need to start somewhere. You need to put a bunch of work in. You need to just do something scrappy that, that works, that's functional. And then see what the market tells you. Cause the market might go, dude, like, you know, this is gold or they might go, I don't know. What are you trying to do here? What is this? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see what it is, you know? So, um, and, and I think that's in, in your career as well, kind of like where you've ended up. It's, you know, it's a bit of, like you said, the luck, you know, with the, <laughs> with the, with, with that, that, that formula for luck. But I mean, I also, I think it's just, you know, you've, you've, uh, 
you've had those experiences where you quote unquote failed, you know what I mean? And you've sort of felt like, wait a second, this isn't for me. You know what I mean? But when it all kind of, it kind of catches up with you, you know what I mean? Something catches up with you, the market shifts, something changes. And then you see that opportunity, like clear as day all of a sudden, when like before you would have never, you know, known or never seen that opportunity before, you know what I mean? It kind of, kind of let life happen, let the thing happen a little bit. And it goes back to what you were saying, like take step one first and take step two next. And it's so easy to go look at step a hundred dude on step a hundred over there up in the clouds. You know what I mean? Go, God damn, what am I doing? You know what I mean? But it's, um, it's just like shit, man. You just got to take those steps one, one after another. And that's, that's, that's the way I think. So, uh, you're a great uh, example of that, man. Thank you. And as we get out of here, I do have to jump off of here, but just yep, like you yep. said, you were talking about, I failed in the past. I fail all the time right now. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's the whole idea of the imperfect action piece yeah. is that really I'm doing 10 things, right. And two of them will hit the other eight yep. still fail. Right. So, yep. That's that's just the way it is. So the more action you take, the more likely you are to find those ones that are actually going to hit and, and give you some results. And then you can build on those results and grow from there. But I mean, I just sent out, you know, I sent out an email a couple of weeks ago where in trying to. So I don't need to give the, give the backstory. We'll just say I was promoting a virtual event that I'm throwing and I sent out an email of a list that I had pulled. And somehow a glitch happened where the mail merge didn't happen right. So everybody got an email that was addressed to me. It actually said, hi, Martin, blah, blah, blah. And then the, the, the email was, um, you know, it was, it was my name in there and my somehow something else was like personalized to me. So when I sent the sample, like the, the example that you tested, it came right. to me and it had my name in it. It looks fine. <laughs> but then I sent to 7,000 other people. And this was more of a mass email than a, you know, a, a small, you know, a cold, individually right. small batch email. But I sent to 7,000 people and I'm wondering why, how come nobody clicked through? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and I kind of burned that list. I tried to email it again and it's just, I just know the numbers aren't right. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to have to let that one go and just move on. But I'm failing yep. all the time right now, you know? <laughs> but yeah. In the past, that might have discouraged me to just be like, ah, okay, I got to leave this alone. But because I've been so focused and doing this and doing like all the, before I said I had seven different things, now all the seven things that I'm doing are all pointing to the same one goal, right? So right. as long as one of those, two of those things hit, it's moving that goal forward and we keep, we keep moving, right? We keep the ball rolling. So great, thank great you so much, to Alex, man. Great way to bookend it, Martin. Thank you so much for being here, man. It's at DJ Graffiti on all the social media. It's uh, it's djgraffiti.com, if, if I remember correctly. DJgraffiti.com, that's it. And it's iwantoverflow.com if you're looking for the marketing agency, see what, what he's been up to you know, in the past. So, dude, thank you so much for being here again. And uh, yeah, I, I really, I wish you the best of success. And hopefully we'll get to do this again a little later on when you're a little uh, you know, down the line on everything and um, kind of catch up again. So thank you. Thank you, Alex, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. See you, Martin. All right, man. Peace. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Always Building. Uh, if you want to learn more about Always Building, our community, our membership group, uh, and uh, exclusive webinars and trainings and discounts on software and all kinds of fun stuff, you know, get help along the journey so you're not all alone. Go ahead and check out alwaysbuilding.io. That's alwaysbuilding.io. And again, thank you so much. Um, Best of luck on your journey. And you just let me know. You can reach out to me uh, on Twitter or via email, alex at alwaysbuilding.io uh, or at always underscore 
building uh, on Twitter. Okay, thanks again. Have a great one.